Hello and welcome to the Arista Wealth Podcast, where we focus on your finances, wellness, and lifestyle, so you can focus on living your dreams. We'll help you navigate through important topics so that you can elevate your life and financial health. Let's get started with your host, Paul Moffitt. Welcome to Arista Wealth Podcast. Our guest this week is a good friend and someone who I'm really excited to spend some time with today. It's Dr. Kelly Maxner. He is the owner of We Care Pediatric Dentistry in Wasilla, Alaska. Besides him being a great dentist and a friend of mine, he also has an amazing family and a wonderful wife. Ate dinner with them last year at their home one evening. Just wonderful parents. But why I've asked him on for not only that, but he also runs one of the world's toughest races, the Iditarod. It's also known as the last great race on earth. In case you didn't know, the Iditarod is a 938-mile-long annual dog sled race that crosses the forbidden terrain in often frigid weather. There are no Marriott's or Hyatt's on this 938-mile journey that he does on his own with his 14 dogs. We're excited to have Dr. Kelly Maxner. Welcome to Arista Wealth Podcast, Kelly. Thank you. Tell us about the basic background of the Iditarod, the miles, the start time, the destination. Give us all a little background of this 938-mile journey. It starts in Anchorage, Alaska, and it goes across the middle of Alaska, basically right through the middle of Alaska to Nome, Alaska, which is on the coast, 100 miles from Russia, as they say, as Sarah Palin says. (laughs) It's quite a journey. It's like you said, it's 938 miles. It it's varies every year. It's right around 1,000. The coldest temperatures I've been in is uh, 60 below, and the warmest is like 45, 50 degrees. So it's it can be quite a temperature variation on the race, um, and every year is different. I much prefer 60 below to 30 and raining. I think 30 and raining is about worst possible weather there is. You start with 14 dogs at least, and you're not allowed to add any dogs to your team. If a dog gets injured or tired, then you just carry them to the next checkpoint and drop them off. There's 20-odd checkpoints. The furthest any checkpoint is apart is, I think, you know, 100 miles or so. Some are 20 miles apart. And between the checkpoints, there's usually nothing. You won't see another person. You won't see anything. It's just middle of nowhere, Alaska. You're kind of out there on their own. You're not allowed any assistance. If you have outside assistance, you're disqualified on your own with your dogs, depending on them and they're depending on you. So it's an interesting relationship you develop and, you know, you have to have a lot of trust in them and they have to trust you. So it's quite a journey. Wow. How many athletes start and then how many end and is there a cutoff? Walk us through Um, that. Usually the, the limit for starting is 99. Usually it's around... 70 people usually are in the race and most years 15 to 20 don't make it something like that i would say usually 40 to 50 people finish it all depends on the year some years are tougher than others yeah what type of physical training do you do to prepare for this last great race on earth i try to be as competitive as possible so physically i train a lot i probably run 20 miles a day during the race. If I'm going up a hill, I'm running. 
if I'm on the flats, I'm usually kicking with my foot or using a ski pole. So generally anytime I'm going uphill, I'm running up the hill because that's when you're slowing down. If you're on the flat area, you can't really keep up with the dogs. They're usually traveling at nine, 10 miles an hour. So on flat, when you're gliding on ice, it's almost zero resistance. But once you hit the hills, you'll slow down a lot. So I get off and run there. So physically training for the race, that's probably the hardest part. When I was racing hard, I was training probably 40 hours a week, me and the dogs. And that's not doing any dog chores or taking care of dogs. That's strictly running. So yeah. That's why I'm retired because I have five kids and I can't train 40 hours a week and work. (laughs) And uh, Dr. Maxter, what's the hardest and the scariest thing that happened to you? And how many times did you do the Iditarod? I have done it eight times. Eight times. Scariest and hardest is every year is something different. You know, it's never the same. There's been a lot of moments where I was pretty scared. It's usually in... uh, in big blizzards, you know, where the wind is blowing, you can't see anything. I try not to work up too much of a sweat, but if you've worked up a sweat, sometimes when you're in difficult situations, your dogs get nervous. And if you stop, you could get hypothermia. So, and I've had that happen once where I was pretty close, but we got out of there. I mean, you can't really cross Alaska without running into some pretty difficult situations. The human body is not as fragile and weak as we think it is. It can take a lot more than we think it can. Basically, we've yeah. become wimps because we've lost touch with what our ancestors used to go through. Yeah. When you say you're in a difficult situation and it was like negative 30 degrees and you got out of it, what, you went to a negative 20 degrees instead of negative 40? <laughs> I mean, is that how you got out of it? I mean, describe that. Sometimes it takes nine hours to get out of it. It's it's sometimes pretty grueling. That's what I was talking about. You know, you just don't realize you can do it, but you know, minute after minute, you keep doing it and keep doing it. And eventually nine hours has passed and you're there. So it's work and being scared for nine hours. And you're like, Oh, I guess I just made it. So, (laughs) and when you look back at those 14 different times that you did it, what was the most rewarding thing that happened to you when you did these races? Probably finishing my first time, you know, that was <laughs> getting there alive. Yeah. And each of those situations, you know, you're in, you get through them, you know, take a deep breath and you're like, Oh, I made it. I mean, that's probably why I keep doing it, <laughs> challenging and pushing yourself and actually accomplishing stuff you didn't think you could do. Yeah. What are some of the most skills that you had to learn and to adapt to make it through it because, you know, 938 miles and you were doing 20 miles a day. Walk us through that mental journey because it's really more mental than physical is an assumption of mine. Physically, it's very, very difficult. I will say that mentally, that's the challenge. And to do it, you can't think of it as I need, I have 900 more miles to go like I was talking about minute by minute, you know, piece by piece, you just have to get to the next mile, get to the next five minutes. You have to think a little bit about the whole journey, but when you're in a a tough situation, like anything in life, you have to keep a positive attitude. And the dogs know if you don't have a positive attitude, they pick that up. You know, if you're down and depressed and and I get that way, the dogs will start to pick it up and you just kind of have to pick yourself up and keep going because you don't really have another option. 
I think that's where people a lot give up because they have an option. I would have quit that race every single race if I had the option <laughs> at certain times. You know, if I had a place to go, but I didn't have a place to go. I was in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody coming to rescue me. I don't have an option yeah. to quit. If there would be 50 checkpoints on that race, I would have not finished one of them. <laughs> yeah. You're just the epitome of manhood. I mean, to do that and to do it again and again. Did you ever see any wildlife? Did they ever chase you? Do you have phones? Do you have trackers? Do you have beacons? Walk us through if something did, unfortunately, happen, and we're grateful it didn't. But Yeah, we do have a beacon with us. We have a tracker, okay. a beacon. There is like an emergency button you can push. But, I mean, it's not going to be immediate help, especially if you're in a oh, snowstorm. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. a day, two days, whenever a helicopter or whatever can get to you. And if you push it, you're disqualified. So there is a safety backup, but you have to be prepared. And, and there's mandatory stuff you have to have with you. A big sleeping bag, food for your dogs, different things like that. So there's mandatory stuff you have to have at all times. So you can survive if you have gotcha. to. The best thing to do to survive is keep moving. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Keep moving. I like that. Keep moving. Keep thinking positive. Keep your head up. Keep your feet moving. And you get through it. Because sometimes our mind thinks that the worst is yet to come. The difficult times are here to stay. And it's going to get worse when, in fact, it doesn't get worse. It does get better. That's exactly what gets you through it. Tell us about the dog maintenance and the dog upkeep. We just love pets here at Arista Wealth. and Well, yeah, I usually have like 30 training. And then you have okay. mothers and retired dogs and puppies and a continual cycle. You know, the time they run is usually from about two to three years of age to usually about nine to 10. And the funny thing about these dogs is you always hear about people that work their entire life and then they retire and then they die because they're not working anymore. Yeah. And that's kind of how these yeah. dogs are. They don't live past, you know, 11, 12 years old because all they want to do is run and work. And then when that's over, they kind of feel lost. Basically, their whole lifespan is they run and that's all they want to do. Yeah, It's crazy how yeah. good of athletes they are and how much they love running. Everybody knows of a, a lab, you know, you just throw the ball over and over and over and they'll never stop fetching the ball. That's kind of how these dogs are with running. You have to make them stop. And that's yeah. kind of the trick too with running the race is figuring out when to make them stop is you want to make them stop before they're tired. Interesting. So you have to keep them wanting to go. And so what's the trick? How do you do it? Usually a basic schedule that I usually do is run six hours, rest four hours, and that's continual 24 hours a day. So you'll run for six hours, rest for four hours. Now in that four hours of rest, you have to take care of their feet, their ankles, their shoulders, their wrists. You have to go through and do their maintenance, your physical therapy with them. You have to make meals for them. You have to melt snow and make water and feed them. So usually in that four hours of stop time, I usually get about 45 minutes of sleep. So, you know, if you think about it in 10 hour cycles, I'm getting an hour and a half, two to three hours a day, something like that, because we're a continual go of six and four, six hours on, four hours off, going, going, going without stopping. And now there are a few mandatory breaks where we take two eight-hour breaks and one 24-hour break that are mandatory. Then I get a little bit more sleep on those. Wow. So six, four, four hours you take care of, nurture, check up, feed, get them rested, and then whatever's left you get until the next cycle. But in a 24-hour period, you get about three hours to four hours of sleep. 
Yeah. A little, yeah. little over two cycles per 24 hour period. If it's a 20 yeah. hour cycle, you're getting, you know, a little over two cycles per day. Incredible. When you look back at all those races, what's one to three things that you've taken away from doing the last great race on earth? And many people say the most physically exhausting competition that's left on the planet is the Iditarod. What's one to two takeaways that you've learned in doing these over the years, Kelly? Probably, like I said earlier, the biggest one is we're capable of a lot more than we think we are, especially mentally and physically. Our bodies can take a lot more than we think. And mentally, we're put in the situation where we have to be. We're mentally stronger than we think we are. Another thing is just a respect and a love for what animals, and specifically sled dogs, can do. It's insane to be able to run over 100 miles a day is just crazy. I guess just a general appreciation for life. And I guess those are the biggest things I would say. No, no, I love it. And and it's probably made you prepare for you and Margaret to have these six kids. uh, (laughs) Five, only uh, five. Don't give me too much. Sorry, five. I'm sorry, Margaret counts you as a sixth. (laughs) Yeah, she has the the most mental fortitude out of any of us. (laughs) It's been great to check in with Dr. Kelly Maxner to help us understand that we're all capable of more than we think, that we are mentally stronger than we think, and that we should appreciate life. And listeners, don't forget to go to aristowealth.com to look at other tools, tips, and videos. Please give us a call, and we look forward to our next episode coming up, so stay tuned. Thank you. This episode of the Arista Wealth Podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more advice on your finances, wellness, and lifestyle so you can focus on living your dreams. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.